Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. We are the Fantasy Joes. Joining me this evening, as always, we've got Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood. Guys, free agency frenzy, madness. It's insane out there. What do you guys think? I mean, my mind's blowing up. I mean, the Bears went out and they signed Taylor Gabriel. I'm so excited. I can't. Oh, and they signed Allen Robinson. I almost forgot about him. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, guys. I mean, for me, it's all about Allen Robinson, of course, as, as the Bears fan. But, but Trey Burton, I don't, I don't want to make this a Bears free agency podcast. What, what are you guys thinking? Will, what, what were you most excited about today? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious on my end. You're talking about Kirk D. Cousins coming to the Minnesota Vikings. Cannot wait. Cannot wait for the Vikings to hoist the Super Bowl trophy on their shoulders and, and probably maybe go 16-0. and Who knows? And I'm just going to say they're probably favored in every game they play in. Yeah, because uh, NFC is awful. You know, the Eagles and the Rams. Hey, I'd rather take a 29-year-old quarterback than some uh, past their prime D lineman for extra money. <laughs> take that, Eagles. That's right. Trey, what about you? What are you most excited about? Obviously, Jonathan Stewart to the New York Giants, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not not a lot of excitement surrounding anything the Giants are doing these days. Uh, I'll be I'll, I'll be interested to see how they screw up the number two overall pick. Um, I know that's happening. I can't wait to hear Dynasty Frank's meltdown over it. Um, I you know probably the most excited about a guy that I've continued to remain very loyal and faithful. One of my first Dynasty crushes, uh, the Sammy Watkins. Um, we're going to talk about him a little bit more later on, but I'm excited now. Uh, I don't, I, I did not want him to return to the Rams. I thought that, uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later about what, what going to Kansas city means for him. I think that offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think Patrick Mahomes with Watkins and Tyree kill, uh, Kelsey Kareem hunt gonna be a lot of fun there in Kansas city. So, uh, just so much happening today. What a blur. Holy cow. Just, just a lot going on and, and still a lot to come. And if any other uh, free agents come available from the Patriots, uh, welcome to the Titans. That'll be the, another theme, the theme of free agency. They're three for three, right? Well, Danny Amendola, he, he broke the streak going to oh, Miami. Yeah. And they only grabbed two of them because they got Malcolm Butler and Deion Lewis. But Nate Soldier is still out there. I'm just saying. Come on home to the Titans. And if you own Derrick Henry, I hope that you sold him. Because if you didn't, Deion Lewis is in town, and uh, I believe Derrick Henry is going to find himself missing a little bit of work. Although, and Ryan mentioned this earlier in our chat, this didn't come as a surprise to any of us. Uh, but I do think that there was an excellent opportunity from the moment that DeMarco Murray was dropped till today when they signed Deion Lewis. I think that uh, Derrick Henry's dynasty value could have been at an all-time high. So uh, hope that you took advantage. We are going to get more into what happened with free agency this week in just a moment. But now let's bring in Bradley Ilatalo. He's our special guest tonight. He's a writer for DLF. He writes player projections, mock drafts, and his very own Scotty notebook there over at DLF. 
Bradley, how are you this evening? What else should we know about you? What else do you want to say about yourself before we jump right into it? Hey guys, um, I'm a freshman at the University of Minnesota and uh, just joining the guys here and going to talk some uh, NFL draft. I'm really excited to be on the show with you guys. Thanks, Bradley. Thanks for joining us. Um, sorry, my voice is so bad. Um, we're, we're thrilled that you, you're, you're coming on the show and I'm going to try to talk as little as possible. My first question is what's your reaction to all this free agency madness that we've seen today? We're recording this on Tuesday for our listeners, but pretty much everything's happened today. All the big mo- names that we know where they're going. So what do you think? I'm loving the way the NFC is stacking up. Uh, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings, I think, gives them a, a legit franchise quarterback. And I think we're going to see what the Eagles, the Rams, and the Vikings are just three powerhouses. I mean, it's going to be tremendously interesting to watch, which couple you get to buy. Are they all going to win their divisions? Uh, Jimmy Graham, I don't think he's signed officially yet with the Packers. That gives them a very interesting target. Um, him and Rodgers, I can't wait to see what that duo does. I think for redraft, Graham's going to be a very strong target to get. Um, but, man, I think this is the craziest – uh, trade and free agency offseason we've had as much as I can remember. I think I've really liked what the NFL has been doing, um, kind of copying what the NBA does. They keep up their news in the offseason. I think what that's the NFL is doing that as well, which I really liked. But uh, I think there's even more craziness to come as we go into the draft season. But, man, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Every couple minutes there's a new, new, new news alert. So it's been, it's been fun. Absolutely. I, you know, one of your, your tweets today, Bradley, um, I thought was interesting is, is you, you mentioned um, Josh Allen and you said today is really good for Josh Allen because it, it essentially means he's going to go to a landing spot where he's going to be able to hopefully sit for a year. So do you want to elaborate on that? I wanted to ask you about Josh Allen because you seem to have more love for him than anyone else I've seen in the dynasty community. Um, you wrote this article on February 18th for DLF and you had him at the time as your QB three for this rookie class. So is he still your QB three? Can you outline your case for Allen? Yeah, I, I love talking about Allen. Uh, I've had to a lot. There's a lot of uh, doubters out there, so I've tried to explain myself well. But Allen is still my uh, QB three. I think he just did tremendous at the combine. He showed off that strong arm. He had a great vertical, 40, three cone, all those things. So I think he only bumped his stock there. But I think he's, for me, he's still behind Rosen and Darnold. Uh, so pretty firmly in that quarterback three spot. Uh, alluding to my tweet, so I think there's a very strong possibility he goes to Cleveland at four, uh, Denver at five, and he could slide all the way down to Arizona at 15. It's unlikely. But wherever he goes, he's going to be in a spot where he can sit for a year, which for him is going to be tremendously helpful. He's coming from a non-Power 5 team where he wasn't a good decision maker. He needs to clean up his footwork and, uh, more, but the, the talent, the upside is there. So if he can sit and learn behind a Bradford or a Keenum or wherever it may be, I think that will be tremendously helpful for him. Sitting behind a Bradford, uh, so he probably won't be able to sit for very long. Then that's true. Yeah, but a good off season. Mm-hmm. I think just just Allen is such a good uh, profile as, as far as like being an athlete and being able to be a great quarterback. But it's one of those project guys where you just don't know. I, I feel like he he uh, a lot of like the reasons why people didn't really like Carson. I mean, Carson Wentz was won a lot more games, had a lot better like better passing stats at a much lesser college when it comes to competition wise. But uh, it's, uh, I'll be very interested to see how he pans out. I mean, I, obviously with my analytics, like how much I know and things like that, I can't, I can't be as high on him because it's harder for me to fall in love with a project like that. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, the 57% completion percentage isn't going to help help him in anyone's case. Uh, the one thing I will say is when we see him with a higher quality talent around him, what we saw in the Senior Bowl, I really like what we saw. The, the week of practice wasn't good, but in the game, I think he threw for three touchdowns, no interceptions at a high completion percentage, good yards per attempt. I think he's a guy that's going to be elevated with talent 
around him. So uh, that's why I really like his NFL future. He was not working with any talent at Wyoming, uh, especially this last year. So um, I'm really hoping that going to a good offense, good NFL offense will be a boost for him. Maybe Cleveland, especially if they get Saquon Barkley, but uh, we'll see there. Yeah. Wyoming seemed like a, uh, kind of like a hot mess yeah. <laughs> of a college team last year. It was, it was horrible. So, Bradley, while we're talking about rookies, this is Trey here. I wanted to ask you about a a guy that – I'm a big SEC football fan. I went to the University of Florida, huge Gator fan. And um, Sony Michelle is a guy that I was higher on even as far far back as a year ago. I I know Nick Chubb has always been kind of the one that that gets the talk in that Georgia backfield. Uh, But I know that Sony Michelle is someone that you've been – a little higher on and that you've actually got him pretty close to Darius Geis there in that second spot, especially in PPR formats. Is it still that way for you after the combine and as things shake out, I know landing spot and draft capital are probably going to speak volumes about how those two really settle out, but, but where do those guys, I, I think most people have Darius Geis in a clear second tier behind Barkley with uh, Chubb and Michelle interchangeably at three and four, at least that seems to be the consistent um, what I'm hearing. So uh, what, are, what are your thoughts there? I'd lo- love to hear your take. Yeah, like you, Michelle was a guy I was kind of pounding the drum for through the year. I was consistently telling people that he's a better NFL um, prospect than Nick Chubb. I just love the athleticism and the vision I saw. After the combine, I just can't say that with 100% certainty. Chubb was the, one of the stars of the combine. Michelle's 40 was a little bit underwhelming. I think he ran a 4.54. I'd like to see him in that 4.47, 4.48 range. Um, so that's why I've bumped him down to number four. Chubb is my number three, and Geis is my clear number two. Um, now, neither Chubb nor Geis are great PPR backs, so I think Michelle is still in that conversation at that three spot, I would say. But standard-wise, yeah, he, he, took a, he took a little bit of a bump at the combine. He didn't do a lot of participation. Uh, he put up 22 reps at the, on the bench press, which was nice to see, especially for a guy I was concerned a little bit about his power. But, um, yeah, he's fallen off a little bit, uh, unfortunately. Speak, speaking of combine people, too, and I'm excited for Michelle and agree, agree with that pretty heavily. Uh, speaking of combine stuff too, though, so Ronald Jones, uh, the, the hate has been very real on him recently. Uh, and it's, you know, when you, it, it, his production and his profile, he still seems like he's going to be a pretty solid NFL running back to me. But it's hard for me to, to not move him down after coming up limp uh, in his combine 40. But it's still 466 coming up limp. Basically twice in the same 40 seems pretty fast still, but he, he came pretty slight. Uh, give us a, a – well, if you would, please, give us a quick rundown of, of RJ2. He's junior, right? Yeah, he is RJ2. Yeah, Rojo, as I like to call him, tremendous athlete on tape. I think the quickest um, acceleration off once he gets the ball in the draft. Like you said, his, his combine yeah, obviously pulled that hamstring, so we can't really know for sure how he would have done. I would really like to see. I think he could have ran under a 4-4. But um, the thing with Jones is neither his power and his patience are both pretty bad. So I think early on in his career, um, especially early on, he's just going to be kind of that boomer bust kind of guy, not a consistent fantasy starter in any way. I don't even know if he'll be a full-time starter. Um, But as he grows in his career, if he can gain a little more patience and learn to run with a little lower pad level, I think he could be a star if he can take advantage of that just otherworldly athleticism. He's going to be tough to stop. Um, and if you can improve on his hands a little bit, get the ball open into open spaces, he's going to be really good there as well. So I'm excited about him still going forward, but early on in redraft leagues, I wouldn't be necessarily targeting him, especially right now. Nice. Uh, yeah, I feel like watching, I was watching him against Stanford in that, it was the Pac-12 championship game, right? Uh, and he, he played really well against them. 
But then when you look back at how running backs performed against Stanford, it turns out they weren't that great of a defense at all. Is is, is what it turned out to be. Uh, and so, so definitely. Yeah. Another guy that um, I think we talked about going into the combine and Bradley, you had in your top 10 running backs, I believe was Mark Walton and Mark Walton did not have a good combine. So how do you feel about him? I mean, does the combine change the way you think about him and his um, prospects in the NFL? Walton is a really interesting prospect. I uh, can't remember what year in college, but he did have an arrest. He's been injured a lot. Um, he actually weighed in right nicely. I thought he was going to be 5'9", but he weighed in at 5'10", which is a nice boost for him. But like you said, in the actual athletic skills, athletic testing, he did not perform well. Um, on tape, you see something totally different, a shifty, quick back with long-range speed and good patience um, with really good hands. So I don't really know where to rate him. I think he ends up going in that round four, maybe slipping into round five range. So early day three pick that can be a, an immediate contributor as a third down back. I just don't know if he ever evolves into that um, lead back in any NFL offense. So Walton PPR. Yes. He's kind of right. That 10 range standard. I wouldn't touch him until 13, uh, probably 13 backs have gone off the board. So he's going to be an interesting, an interesting guy to follow. I hope at his pro day, he can run some better tests and I, I, I think he can, but um, he'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I feel like he wasn't he, – he couldn't have fully been back from his injury because he just got cleared to train. It was only like a week or so beforehand. And so, yeah, definitely did that. One thing about Ronald Jones that I was going to say there is uh, – so Nick Nick Whalen, who does the Dynasty Trade Calculator and writes the uh, every report, said that he was worried that maybe Ronald Jones hurt himself because he tried to put on like basically the equivalent of sloppy weight. Uh, did you see that at all in the way? I mean, it's the underwear Olympics, so you could kind of check him out a little bit. Do you, do you look a little sloppy to you? Well, yeah, it's interesting you said, cause he gained, I think 10, uh, going into this year before the year, he was, uh, barely reaching 200. And I think he's at much healthier to, uh, 210 or 215 now, which is really nice, um, going into the year. And we saw a little uptick in power. But like you said, it's not good to just put on weight just to weigh better because uh, it, it might have hurt his scores. So his pro day will also be another really important pro day, and that will be with Darnold and Deontay Burnett as well. So Jones, I mean, I can't say I watched him closely enough to say uh, <laughs> what weight looked like. But, um, yeah, that'll be that'll – be, I can't wait to see how he does his pro day for sure. You don't do, like, cut cut ratings? Like how no. cut does this running back look today? <laughs> Why even wear the spandex? I'm not just kidding. Sloppy weight, huh? Sloppy weight. Yeah, it's, Bradley, it's a new term. Bradley, I do have a question for you. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. This is something that I think that the three of us have talked about briefly, um, but never, you know, during recording. Do you feel like – so last year, obviously um, in Dynasty, you know, everybody for the last five to seven years has been kind of team-wide receiver in startups in the first few rounds. And uh, – Last year, slightly the year before with the David Johnson kind of breaking out, um, but but last year and then leading into this year, especially with all of the running backs in last year's rookie class that kind of made a major impact. Do you feel like that we're getting kind of set up for uh, disappointment? Because like I know that, you know, probably in super flex, even I think there will be as many running backs taken as quarterbacks in the first round of rookie drafts in a one quarterback league. I think as many as eight running backs could be taken in the first round of, of dynasty rookie drafts, but the, the opportunities in the NFL are kind of whittled down a little. There's, there's a lot, a lot more solidified starters. So do you feel like, you know, we're talking about guys like Walton and John Kelly and Ronald Jones 
as, you know, high upside guys, but do they have the same opportunity that guys like Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt had coming into last year? Do you, do you feel kind of like there's some going to be some steals maybe at the wide receiver position in, in dynasty rookie drafts because of that? What's your, what's your thoughts on that? That's a really interesting point. Cause I think we go back to 2011, 2012, people were starting to say, Oh, the running position, running back positions declining or even getting die. And now we've seen this incredible running back resurgence with the amount of young talent we have there. Zeke, DJ, Bell, Hunt, Kamara, McCaffrey, Fournette. I mean, there's just the list goes on and on. And I think Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis are going to immediately join on that young star list. Um, but like we said with the depth guys, with Rashad Penny and whatnot, are they going to be able to earn starting spots? And I think that's the question. Uh, a landing spot is obviously going to be the key. But in general, yeah, I think you make a good point that wide receiver, there's just way more spots. There's th- usually the way the NFL is evolving, there's going to be three on the field at a time, three or four on the field on a time. So. That's going to be an interesting piece, I think. But the thing with running backs, a lot of teams like to have them for that four-year on that rookie deal. Then they get really expensive. What do they do? So going forward, I still think there's going to be a lot of running back turnover, which is uh, always good for Dynasty. Just you're going to, They're going to be able to earn a starting spot. But at least right away, I think you bring up a good point that they're going to struggle to find starting spots. Well, and you saw it in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, you have these two prolific offenses in the Super Bowl, Philadelphia and New England, and neither of them really have a, a Zeke or a Todd Gurley. Um, but, you know, both of them kind of employ a, a multi-headed um, backfield. And um, so, and I do think that it kind of adds the, to the value of a guy like Saquon Barkley or Zeke or Todd Gurley, David Johnson, guys who get Lev Bell, can't leave him out of that. The guys who get, you know, 350 touches a year or 300 touches a year uh, and are on the field a lot. But I'm just really curious how, you know, some of these guys like, you know, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, if they go into more of a timeshare situation, if, if, if say Nick Chubb goes to Detroit where he's on the field first and second down and goal line, uh, but is replaced by Theo Riddick um, every, you know, possession on third down. And then inevitably there's going to be two minute drills and some drives where Riddick may replace him completely. And, you know, that kind of takes a, his value takes a little bit of a hit. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how this whole um, rookie class shakes shakes out because I think there's some very, very talented wide receivers that are being um, a little undervalued because they're not the prototypical like wide receiver one for an NFL franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to, you know, be 12 months from now looking back at this rookie class and kind of see what, what we've learned. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think the NFL more and more is valuating or valuing running backs that can catch the ball. And that's why it is so interesting that guys like Geis and Chubb are up there. They're just tremendous runners. Uh, I just released a mock draft a couple of days ago. I had uh, Nick Chubb landing in Oakland, which I would just love to see, and Darius Geis landing in New York, where they would both be able to take over heavy roles, starting spots, and a good offense. Um, so I'm hoping those two can land there. But, if yeah, like you said, if they land in a spot where – there's a good receiving back. Uh, they're just going to take away a lot of those touches. So that's always, it'll be interesting. Landing spot will just be huge for those kind of guys. And, and guys was, was that the giants or the jets? Yep. Okay, okay. Giants in round two. So right at the start of second round. Oh, it'd be juicy. Yeah. Him and Rose and I had going there. So that'd be really <laughs> fun. And you know, and it's inevitable that someone in the NFL draft, one of these running backs is going to go to a team that nobody thinks needs a running back, you know, a la Alvin Kamara last year going to the, to the saints, you know, it was like, I mean, you got Mark Ingram there. They'd sign Adrian Peterson and then Alvin Kamara goes there and it's like, what? Like what? they need another running back. And it ended up being, you know, magnificent. So I, it's funny because we're talking about all these spots like Indianapolis and um, New York and Oakland, all the, you know, Detroit, 
all these places, but it's just inevitable that someone where there's kind of already an entrenched starter, I mean, you know, leave it to somewhere like the Arizona Cardinals to draft Sony Michelle. And you're like, Oh, cool. That just killed Michelle's value and David Johnson's all at the same time. I mean, it's, it's inevitably going to happen to one, one team. Well, I got to say that about DJ, the one like Iowa guy starter. Just love DJ. Circle. Love me some DJ, man. <laughs> It's almost 30, though. I was, I was thinking, uh, yeah. I mean, he's closer to 30 than 20. He's the same age as Lev Bell, but everybody sells Lev Bell like he's, you know, it's like Lev Bell's getting old. Well, I mean, Lev anyway. Bell's got some knee injuries and some, some mileage. free agency Lev problems. Some mileage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One guy I wanted to get your opinion on was, because uh, he had a good combine, was, was Royce Freeman. And I wanted to also tell a little bit of a narrative street before we go into him. I think one thing that people forget about him staying at Oregon is Oregon might have the best practice facilities in the nation. They literally have a lazy river in their training facilities where people can recover from, and like they have a juice bar in their locker room. When you're talking about the like Nike, uh, Phil Knight doesn't donate. Uh, I mean, he doesn't just donate money to the university. He builds like a building and then donates that to the university, so it's built the way he wants. And how just like a nice of a lifestyle you live at that that university. Uh, but anyway, so Royce Freeman, I think, got knocked for staying an extra year pretty heavily. And then came out in the combine and actually, I feel like, greatly overperformed his expectations. And I, I would love to hear your opinion about him. Freeman was a guy I had as a late fourth-round pick coming into the combine. And in my notes, for a couple of guys, I'll put, you know, combine is big for them because it's kind of hard to tell what kind of athlete they are on tape. And that was one of the guys. And then so since he did test well, we could see him slip into that late, due to, late day two range. Um, in this class, we'll see where he, he ends up ranking. Um, he's a guy that set many records at Oregon, has a lot of tread on those tires, but didn't get injured much. So... I mean, I think he's a complete back. I like what he can do as a receiver. His patience, his vision is really good. He's powerful. He runs with a low center of gravity. Uh, there's a lot to like with him. Um, I just don't know if he's going to – he's just going to blow you away with his athleticism. I, I'd really like to see if he can become a starting back. Um, going into it, I think he'll be a kind of a committee guy, um, capable of playing first, second, or third down, and just be a nice change of pace. But I think if he can get his opportunity, he'll show that he's a bona fide starter. Bradley, while we're talking about running backs, um, I wanted to ask you, um, carry on Johnson is a guy, another SEC guy that I feel like is being a little bit undervalued um, and, and kind of maybe forgotten about, maybe not by the NFL community, but I don't hear him talked about a whole lot. And I think with, with some of these other guys who've kind of improved their stock, I mean, carry on Johnson didn't do anything at the combine to so hurt himself. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on carry on where you kind of think he shakes out. And I'm curious, do you remember off the top of your head where you, when in a recent mock, do you remember where you had him go and, or, or, or I guess maybe just, you know, if you want to hit on your thoughts on him, what, what you, what you think of him sure. and his prospects at the next level. I'm actually a big fan of Kerryon Johnson's game. You'll rarely see a guy be that patient when he's that big, powerful. He has acceleration. Um, the agility. I was just concerned about his long range speed, but obviously he was dealing with that hamstring injury and then he tested out really well at the combine. So I, like you said, he gathered a lot of hype, I think around mid year. And then ever since not got a lot of talk, he's a guy that I'm going to be pounding the drum for as we go through the draft, telling people to draft him because uh, he's going to be undervalued. I think, and he's, he's a big guy. He obviously was a star in that Auburn offense. He carried them almost to the playoffs. So he's a guy I'm really looking for that if he can earn a starting spot, um, in year one, I think he's going to be flirting with that uh, fantasy starter potential. I think he's going to be a, a solid contributor to any team. So carry on's a guy I have as an early third round talent. Um, so midday two, but um, we'll see how the NFL, what the NFL thinks of him. That's awesome. We actually did a two round 
mock draft with Tim Torch um, several weeks ago. And um, shockingly enough, uh, it was a super flex, but still, um, Carrion Johnson wasn't selected in, in two rounds. And, you know, it was kind of when we kind of as we came to the end of it, it was there was a little bit of a realization of, oh, my gosh, how, how did Carrion Johnson? And we and we talked about, you know, I, I think there were some picks right at the end of the second round where we, you know, picked guys that we just wanted to talk about. We probably would have taken Carrion there. But I just in my head, I'm thinking if a guy like that in a super flex league is available in the in the mid to late second round of a rookie draft, like that's incredible value. I'll, I'll be he, he's one of the guys that I really hope lands in a juicy spot so bradley i'd love to get your opinion too so your difference between uh you know just a one quarterback and super flex and two quarterback rookie drafts how does it affect where you're taking people how many quarterbacks would you personally take in the first round of a super flex rookie draft this year i think is a little bit special circumstances just with the the bevy of talent we have at the quarterback position um you know, like last year, I, I can't remember, like, where did Trubisky or Watson or Mayhomes go um, this year? Okay, so basically Rosen and Darnold, to me, are the clear number one and two. I think you'll, you'll see a lot of people agree with that. Um, Rosen, I would put kind of at that 1.04 range, a one, maybe 1.5. Darnold, 1.6, 1.7. And then it's going to be personal preference. I view Josh Allen as the number three. A lot of people, Mayfield, a lot of people, Jackson. Um, but I think all three of those guys are going to be right at the end of the first round to very beginning of the second round. So I had to put a number, I would say in a 12 person league, super flex, I would expect four to go in the first round. Yeah. You'd be getting Josh Allen to steal then with the way things are. I mean, the amount of stuff that's come out about him and I feel like the general consensus opinion from, you know, the, the, all the chats and things like that is that he's just dropping like a rock right now in Mm -hmm. super flex. And so I don't know. I might be on board like early second. And the funny thing is in fantasy, who cares if you pick a guy that boss? I mean, you're just looking for a, a potential superstar. Uh, if you can get a, a superstar quarterback in the Superflex, there's almost nothing more valuable than that. And Josh Allen is just as good a chance as anybody to become that kind of guy. So, again, that's kind of a lot more my case for him in fantasy. But um, we'll see what people end up uh, viewing him as as rookie drafts get going. Yeah, this QB class is really interesting. And I have to say, this isn't 2017 with the tight ends, but there are some really intriguing tight ends in this class, I think. Um, and I was looking at your pre-combine tight end rankings, and Mike Isicki, who just blew it up at the combine, I, I believe it was your fourth-ranked tight end, and he, he killed it. Um, do you want to talk about these tight ends? I know you're big on Dallas Goddard. So, so are we. Um, how, do you, you know, how do you see these guys, and where would you take them in um, – you know, a, a rookie mock draft in this super flex rookie mock, we didn't take any tight ends in those two first two rounds. So uh, what do you think Bradley about the tight ends? Yeah. Like you said, this isn't 2017, 2017 was ridiculous. I mean, what we had in Njoku, Howard and Ingram three first round picks. I think the last time that happened in the NFL draft was 2002. Uh, we saw a lot of those guys going into late for one QBs, the late first round, which we're not going to have this year. Um, but like you said, I think there's four, uh, tight ends that I really like Goddard Andrews from Oklahoma just uh, like you said from Penn State and Hayden Hurst from South Carolina those four you could rank them in any way and I you wouldn't get an argument from me I think all four of them are different in their own ways but have very high upsides uh, Hurst was a bit disappointing for me uh, his 40 time I think he was four six three about uh, I was expecting more of him a, a very good athlete but nonetheless he's still smooth has good hands good route runner 
with Gesicki, he has moved up to my number three. If I just if you pin me down, you had to give me my rankings, I'd go Godert, Andrews, Gesicki, Hurst as of now. Um, but that could change. Gesicki, man, the guy is like a gazelle. He can jump out of the building. He ran a good 40. Um, he wasn't a good blocker at Penn State, but with his frame, I think he can mold, uh, NFL coaches can mold him into that. Um, so I think we're looking at a potential pro bowler if he can figure it all out. So, Bradley, across all positions, anybody that we haven't talked about, um, I know we really haven't talked about wide receivers a whole lot tonight, and I think that there's going to be some really, you know, I think there's some teams. Um, I saw, I think it was, was it maybe Curtis Patrick today that was um, mentioning uh, the drooling over a uh, James Washington to the Packers now that they've released uh, Jordy Nelson, I think that there's some spots, Dallas, you know, with the potential that they could cut Dez or even putting someone across from Dez. I think that there's some real needs. There's teams that are addressing the wide receiver position in free agency. You still got the 49ers out there that could could bring in someone. Um, and you've got some some NFL-ready wide receivers, Calvin Ridley. Who, who are some of your favorite wide receivers in this class? And then kind of piggybacking, second part of that question, who are some of the guys – that you feel are running a little bit under the radar um, from a fantasy dynasty perspective that might be worth uh, mentioning to the listeners. Sure. Yeah. Um, I actually just last night wrote my updated wide receiver ranking. So very appropriate time to talk about it. One guy that I find, like you said, slipping under the radar, Jordan Lastly. Uh, he was Josh Rosen's by far his favorite target at UCLA, extremely productive. The hands are the concern with people. I, I like his technique with his hands, but he has some drops. I don't know if they're focus drops or whatnot, but good burst off the line, a refined route runner, smooth in his body. Like I said, the technique in the hands are good. After the catch ability is awesome. Um, so I would say look out for Jordan Lassie. I think he's my, I want to say I had him ranked uh, as my wide receiver six when I did my rankings, and I think he's probably being valued at about nine or 10, 11. Um, so I think he's gonna be undervalued. I think that's the guy you should go after. Uh, Christian Kirk has risen up to my number two. I mean, this guy is just a superb athlete, refined route runner as well. Um, he can catch stuff. He's good after the catch, good vertical ability with his frame. I think you plug him into the slot and he's immediately a good, good player. I think Dallas is a good target there. Carolina could go get him. Um, so he'll be interesting to watch. Uh, another guy that isn't getting a ton of love, but he's starting to get some talk is Michael Gallup out of Colorado state the whole package when you're looking for a wide receiver, nothing stands out as, um, you know, an elite trait, but he can do a lot of things and he's going to be able to be a complete, I think, flanker or slot receiver as well. So those are great names. I love Michael Gallup too. And he's, he is a guy that's playing under the radar. No one's really talking about him. Uh, What about your, um, let me ask you this in terms of where guys will actually get picked in the NFL draft. What wide receivers do you think will go? What, like, who are your top three? Who will who will go off the board? I mean, I, I know you're looking at your crystal ball, and free agency will impact some of this, of course. But, but what what do you think? Yeah, right now I know the combine is coming gone, and his combine was underwhelming. I know he's going to turn 24 in his rookie season. I think you know what I'm talking about. It's Christian Kirk. I mean, sorry, Calvin Ridley. Um, he's still <laughs> right. receiver one. I think the the burst off the line. Another good route runner. The production isn't quite there. This guy can do it all, and I think he's a legitimate wide receiver one. He's not your prototypical, you know, jump out of the gym and a big body that can go up and get the ball. But, man, this guy just naturally creates separation from corners and has that, that speed to, to, give him, to give him a lot of stress back there. So, Ridley's still my number one. I think Kirk or Sutton, I think you can interchange those two as the two and three that I go off the board. People obviously are obsessed with Sutton's potential. Um, to me, he's still a little bit undeveloped. I don't think he's ready to be uh, even fantasy starter right away. but. Um, He's a guy that obviously with his upside could become the best wide receiver from this class. He's like the Josh Allen of exactly. the wide receivers. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like there's more equanimity to St. Brown now that I think about that. Because he's uh, – I feel like he's – like did last at the combine. He had a good, great 40 time, but not as much college production, things like that. Anyway. Big body too, so a lot to like with him. I know. I'm, I, 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 so I went to Iowa and I'm a big Iowa fan, and so it's hard for me to root for Notre Dame guys coming out of college, and I try to put that aside. It is. I mean, it is like that extra, like swallow, you know. Before, like, oh, I guess I got to take them. So you're high on Akron Wadley then? Oh, RB one. <laughs> he has the smallest hands. He disappointed in the forty and the bench press and every other workout that he did at the combine. But uh, still, as I said, uh, I went to the Iowa Minnesota game when he was here in in Minneapolis, and uh, he had the strongest high five out of any Iowa player. I high five that day when we went down after the game. So he's still a uh, you know clear you can catch based on that. So there's a little lesser known wide receiver that I've talked about and, and actually took in our, you know, two round mock draft, uh, Kiki Cootie out of uh, Texas Tech. And I'm, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on him. What do you, I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of reading about him and my, of course, my perspective is fairly amateur. I mean, we are the fantasy Joes, but I, I am just super curious what you're, what you've seen about him, what your thoughts are and, and where you think he fits in at the NFL level. I think he's a guy that's going very undervalued, kind of in that same category as lastly. I mean, you look at him, obviously, natural athlete, get the ball in his hands, and he's going to make some people miss. Um, what I don't like with him, I think he needs a lot of work in his route running. I don't know if he's ready to create separation right away, as we see that with a lot of guys coming out. Um, right now, I think he goes in that fourth round range, you know, early day three, and he's a guy that if you can work into your offense without, you know, hiding his weakness in his route running, he, he could be successful. Um you know, where would I rank him? I think in my rankings, I had him about 12. So maybe not as high on him as you are, but he's definitely an interesting guy. I think he's going to be a guy that you kind of design screens for, maybe have him go deep, um, simpler routes, but uh, really good athlete. And Texas Tech used him really well. Yeah, he's a guy that um, – so Ryan's a big Bears fan. And uh, he's a guy that I, I told Ryan that, uh, you know, Nagy might have his eye on after being out in Kansas City. And seeing how effective a guy like Tyreek Hill can be to open up an offense, I'd, I'd be really interested. But man, I mean, after bringing in the they've they've already signed Taylor him, Gabriel, man, Taylor Gabriel, <laughs> kind of he he might have ruined that. So screw you, Taylor. <laughs> so once again, the Fantasy Joes want to thank Bradley Ilatello. He is the NFL draft writer and analyst for for Dynasty League Football. He can be found on Twitter at. NFL underscore draft hub. Bradley, thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Great knowledge. It was a ton of fun talking with you guys. You guys are a fun group with a lot of passion. So this was, this was fun. I hope we can do this again. Absolutely. Thank you. Please come back. Okay. Pop, pop quiz real quick. You guys who, who had more yards per catch last year, Jordy Nelson or Jimmy Graham? I'm going to ask Jimmy Graham. Yeah. I'm going to guess Jimmy Graham as well. It was a trick question. They both averaged 9.1 yards per catch last year. So the Packers have changed out or have switched out Jordy Nelson for Jimmy Graham, both averaging a massive honking hand bone 9.1 yards per catch last year. I like the move though. I'm, I'm guessing that Jimmy Graham is getting paid a little bit less than what Jordy Nelson was going to get paid. So I, I think that there's a potential that they may be upgraded a, uh, salary situation by making that move yeah there's a lot of fun stats coming out today one of the things that they were talking about on on chicago sports radio was alan robinson even if you take his down 
2016 year, it would still be the best year for a Bears wide receiver since 2014. If you take his blow-up year that he had, Allen Robinson, it would have been the second-best year for a Bears wide receiver of all time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not to turn this back to the Bears, but but Allen Robinson, even if he's uh, diminished somewhat, it's it's a huge upgrade for um, the Chicago Bears as a team. Um, I'm curious what you guys think, though, about that. Like, how do you value Allen Robinson – um, I know a lot of people want him to go to San Francisco, but but what do you think that does for his value? I mean, he was already pretty highly valued. Do you think it stays about the same? You think he's still a hold? Are you excited about him going to Chicago and being the clear, you know, wide receiver one? What do you guys think of, of Allen Robinson now in terms of interest in acquiring him, if any? He pl- he played at Penn State, so hopefully he experienced some cold weather, you know, uh, uh, get, like games and things like that. So I'm not worried about that aspect of it whatsoever. I'm shocked that the Niners didn't add – a big name wide receiver in free agency and with, with Trubisky or Trubisky, uh, I, I'm stoked. I'm stoked for Allen Robinson and his value there. I love it. I, he, he goes up in my, in my book and maybe not year one, but the, you know, three quarters into next year, I'm going to be sending out a ton of offers for Allen Robinson. Cause it does take, you see, you see a track record and when wide receivers move to a new offense and a new scheme that it may take a bit and his talent may went out and he may explode right away. But I don't know if I'd be banking on that. I think I'd be if I were, I mean if I were a big Allen Robinson fan, I think I'd hold back because I think he's going to be more valued uh, now than he was just before signing there. And so I'm going to take a little bit of a hold and send some offers out when he when he has a little bit of struggles if if that happens. Kind of assuming the status quo kind of goes on. Yeah, I like the move. I like I like the move a lot. I think that Allen Robinson being freed from the Jaguars, even though he did accomplished a 1400 yard 14 touchdown season as a target monster in that Jaguars offense with uh, the illustrious Blake Bortles as his quarterback I I mean the offense in Jacksonville is being built completely differently than what we saw two years ago when Robinson put up those numbers so he was never going to repeat that kind of production in Jacksonville they're committed to running the as as you can see they took the money they would have had to pay on Robinson and spent it on an offensive lineman uh, this week. So I think that the move to, to Chicago, Mitch Trubisky is one of my favorite um, breakout quarterbacks. And I know that Ryan agrees with me on this. He, he's a guy that I think is an excellent acquisition, especially now that you see that Chicago is surrounding him with weapons. I know there was some concern that Chicago was going to uh, draft a wide receiver at the the tenth spot where they're picking, and and now I think they've addressed that need very well. And you know, underrated Trey Burton is a very talented, and it's not just because he has the name Trey. It's not just because he also went to the University of Florida. Although those two uh-huh, things are uh-huh. certainly, actually, that's all I've got to say about him. He's an amazing. You know, the guy's talented, super talented, and uh, as he showed in the Super Bowl, he can throw the ball. So I think that. Um, adding Trey Burton was a little bit of an underrated ad there, but Allen Robinson, I just looked it up and DLF's March ADP. Allen Robinson is going off at the first pick of the third round. I think that's going to climb easily by six to nine spots in the coming months. And he could be pushing, you know, the, the early second round leading into this coming season. So I'm excited for what. Kind of, where, kind of where he was last year, right? Early second for, for a Rob. Or late first. I mean, last year, yeah. you know, going into the season, he he was in the late first, early second, even uh, with the disappointing um, 2016. Well, and, and Trey Burton backed up Tebow at Florida, right? Yeah, he did. He he 
played more of an H back position. He he wasn't he wasn't ever the true like Cam Newton was really truly Tebow's backup initially, and then um, I forget who else. So um, Burton was such an athletic specimen that Urban Meyer used him in that offense as a uh, he he played running back. He played tight end, you know, very versatile. The guy's extremely athletic and a yeah. huge mismatch at the tight end position. If it wasn't for Zach Ertz, I think Trey, as a matter of fact, the games Zach Ertz missed last year, Trey Burton produced pretty incredibly. So, you know, it kind of stinks for the Adam Shaheen um, lovers of the world, but really there's an opportunity there for both of those guys to be on the field and, and be productive. So yeah, I think and, Chicago's I think offense took a huge leap forward these last 48 hours. Yeah. And I think they took Shaheen is more of a project too. I mean, they took him to the second round last year. Right. And so, I mean, that's a pretty early pick on a tight end to, to sign somebody different, but Trey Burton's like a bigger offensive weapon. Cause he's not huge. He's not like a big blocking tight end. And I do think you get recruited as a quarterback though out of high school. And so I, I would bet where I was going with, with that was a little bit of uh, who do you think throw the a smoother ball now, Tim Tebow or Trey Burton? Cause I think Trey Burton has more Super Bowl touchdown passes than Tim Tebow. Oh man, you really had to go there. Um, <laughs> sorry, Tebow lovers. Tim Tebow has more home runs in the Double uh, <laughs> like, A than Trey Burton. There. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say about Adam Shaheen is you have to remember he was acquired by the previous regime, so you know there's been a regime change there. And um, I, I'm curious about what this is going to do to Jordan Howard's value because you know Jordan Howard this past year was really kind of valued where he was because of all the volume, but now with all these pass catching weapons that they have and and uh, inevitably Mitch Trubisky being able to take a little bit more of the role in the offense and, and not being so conservative in their game planning. You know, I'm, I'm almost wondering if this, this might be a sell Jordan Howard time. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. So first of all, you know, Ryan Pace was the GM there, you know, and he did draft Shaheen, but, but obviously the coaches are different. So I think with Ryan Pace, I think he needs to get some victories for some of these early draft picks. Cause he's already got the Kevin White failed experiment. Um, but it's not, definitely something that we should watch. And, you know, I think that Jordan Howard is a guy to think about selling. And I don't know, it's possible the Bears might even try to move him because he doesn't really fit in to what I think the Bears will want to do. But we'll see. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys, talking about some of these wide receivers that have new homes now, who would you rather take? Would you rather take Tyreek Hill or A-Rob? It's a Rob for me, pretty, Oof. pretty, uh, pretty easily because I think, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I think that last year, you know, Tyreek was second on the team in targets there in Kansas City had just over a hundred targets. The the next wide receiver underneath him had sixty, and I think that Sammy Watkins comes in. I mean, Kansas City didn't pay, isn't paying Sammy Watkins sixteen million a year to come in and get sixty targets, so. I think that inevitably Tyreek Hill is going to lose some targets to Sammy. And I think Ty- that uh, Travis Kelsey continues to be the uh, focus of the passing game. So I think that Tyreek could be like 2A, 2B, or even third in the passing game. And there's a, an incredible uh, running back there that's going to also get touches in the running and passing game. Whereas in Chicago, I think that Allen Robinson is going to be the focal point of what they do as an offense. So I think for me that he's more of a traditional, you know, long-term, he's not dependent on the speed. I mean, he's, he's, he's a quick guy. So I, I think long-term value Tyreek Hill is just not quite got it. I think his ADP right now 
is um a good yeah. bit higher. He's going nineteenth. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm going with this, Trey. I'm, yeah. I'm going to get there at ADP. Will um, Tyreek or uh, Allen Robinson? I'm going. I'm going A. Rob. Just a better wide receiver prospect overall in my mind, and especially adding Watkins to that group in in Kansas City, it's fine because uh, Tyreek. You know, he'll be there for a little while, and he could go somewhere else if he needed to in a couple of years in free agency. But dynasty value-wise, I think A-Rob just is the – he's your quintessential dominant, like, uh, you know, full-on beast wide receiver. He's what you want. When he puts up 14 and four, – like 1,400 with uh, Bortles throwing to him, that's a guy that, you know, is just good at football, better route runner. I cannot wait to see how him and Trubisky light it up uh, in year two because I'm going to trade for him in year one, as I said earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah so you know trey started to talk about it um Tyrex hill adp is 19 um a rob is at 25 and then there's a guy at number 30 that moved jarvis landry w- where would you guys rank landry among uh the, these guys so what, what do you think about we have we, could, we haven't even gotten into the cleveland situation right because after our show released last week going into the weekend the Cleveland Browns just went crazy. They decided, you know, we're not going to wait for next week. We're not going to wait for the free agency frenzy. We want to get in on the action now. And they made a lot of moves. And, of course, the biggest of which was Jarvis Landry. Um, uh, well, some might argue Tyra Taylor, those of us on the show that call him the, the GOAT. But um, Jarvis <laughs> Landry to, to Cleveland. So what about his value in, in all this? I mean, what do we think about what Cleveland's doing? I'm, I'm off the Cleveland train. I just think uh, I don't – that receiving core, and with Tyrod Taylor, he doesn't support great wide receivers. He had one good year with Watkins, but uh, uh, Landry in my mind right now, you're talking like what like year one and redraft is completely devalued. We see if, what kind of long-term deal he signs with them and if they draft a quarter – like a different quarterback in the in the rookie draft. But at this point in time, like as such a big Landry fan coming into this year, him going there to me is such a big disappointment. Uh, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit, but I'm, I'm kind of like anti Cleveland for a little bit. And I know I might, may, might be burned by that. I might miss out on some values, but at this point in time, I don't see the, the benefit in investing in Cleveland players. I think the ironic thing for me is that Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry are both very similar. They may not have an immense amount of value from a pure NFL perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, they're perennially undervalued. I don't know that either of them have ever probably in their careers been drafted um, at the level at which they've produced. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, you know, two years in a row was a quarterback one for fantasy. And I'm not saying that he's a top 12 NFL quarterback, but as far as production, I mean, he's, he averages five or 600 yards uh, annually on the ground. And I think that this is going to be the best offense that, Tyrod has ever had a chance to play um, for. I think that especially if they add, I mean, if they add Saquon Barkley, the the, the offense takes a whole step forward. But I, I think the opportunity to go there, um, Todd Haley is, is very well known for um, forming, uh, putting together an offense that best utilizes the the tools that he has. And, and I'm excited to see what Tyrod can do there. I think he can be incredibly serviceable, for fantasy he's smart with the football he doesn't turn it over I think the Browns have some nice pieces on defense Um, and for Landry I think that you couldn't ask for a better guy to give Tyrod than someone like Landry who's just good at getting open in those short routes whether it's man or zone 
I think that both of them will continue to be undervalued. And in full PPR, I think Landry, I mean, he was a wide receiver one this past year. And I think that there's no reason to believe. I don't think he got a downgrade. I think it's an upgrade for him from fantasy perspective. I mean, he was playing in a terrible offense last year with a terrible quarterback. And I think that the quarterback play of Tyrod Taylor is going to be better than Jay Cutler. And I think that the offense in Cleveland, honestly, this next season will likely be better than Miami's offense last year. So I I think that they're both guys I would be willing to buy. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Landry and and touchdown receptions. Because I worry about David Njoku, um, you know, being that that big threat in the red zone that he didn't have to worry about in Miami. You know, it was a – you know, it was pretty much him, <laughs> you know, with Julius Thomas, uh, uh, Devontae Parker when he decided to show up. Um, yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting. But I, I, I tend to agree with you, Trey. I don't think if, if it's a bump, I think it's maybe a small bump downward. I, I, don't, I, I still like Landry a lot. And I think you're right. Um, Tyra Taylor is, is underrated, and, and he does have potential to be a QB1 at least going into next year. Um, but that, that Cleveland team is fun to watch. I mean, I mean, there are some teams now that really have become fun to watch. Um, but, and, and Cleveland's at the top of the list, especially if they do manage to take a guy like Barkley, or even if they don't. Let's say they draft another, you know, uh, running back a tier below, like a, like a Chubb or a, a Geist or something. And, you know, they'll have Duke Johnson and the rest of those weapons. So Cleveland will be fun to watch this year. Well, you were about to say something. I'm sorry. Well, so how many, how many yards receiving do you think – uh, Josh Gordon goes for next year, just ballpark. You think he goes for a thousand, fully healthy, and on the team for all sixteen games? It's so hard to know, man. Yeah. It's so hard to know how that hierarchy is going to shape out. But let's I just let's think, just go for your guess. Over under a thousand. I think a thousand is a is a relatively nine hundred to a thousand. I think is probably a relatively decent range for him. All right, and then in joke – or sorry, Ryan? No, I'll take the under on that. I think he'll be like 800 yards receiving. All right, so what about uh, uh, Njoku? Like maybe five to 700, 800? I think probably closer to five to seven. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think he'll, he'll catch a lot of touchdowns, though. So this ballpark between those two at uh, 1,500. Okay, so now about Corey Coleman, assuming he's still on the team. Oh, less than 600. Yeah, they're looking to move him. I mean, the, if you want to believe the reports, which we shouldn't, that's dangerous. But um, yeah, so I'm plus on the low side. Plus, uh, running backs, maybe you accounted for like 500 yards receiving. Could be a lot. I mean, whether it's Duke Johnson or a guy like Barkley, I mean, someone's going to be catching a lot of balls at the backfield. They'll, they'll have a lot of receiving yards. So you kind of have this fit where Tyra Taylor's max, like throwing, uh, his, his max yards throwing. Is just over 3,000, 3,035 yards. And so unless Cleveland is going to turn him into this massive passer, that he's going to be something different than, than what he's always been, and a different scheme than what they had in Buffalo, he's getting more passing yards. Where does Landry fit in in that, in that yardage total? And, that's, and I know that's not the best example ever, but it's a way to think about it. Like, where do all these yards come from? So unless you think Tyrod's going to go for this massive ceiling and add, like last year he threw for just under 2,800 yards. Because uh, he was twenty seven nine nine, so let's just say twenty eight hundred yards. Uh, that's in, in fifteen games, and he's never played sixteen games in his career. So where's where's that? It just to me, it's you know, I see some I see some great upside for him there because they're going to have great weapons, and that team could have uh, a really good offense. But I'm basically I'm basically I don't know the way Browns are going to use people. They won one game in two years. I, I don't want to I don't want to be a part of it. 
And so, so that's why that's why Landry scares me terribly. Because unless unless Tyrod's gonna like explode for a bunch of more yards, he can't support great pass catchers. So do you know last year as a top ten wide receiver in Miami, do you know how many passing yards Jay Cutler had last year in Miami? How many games did he play? <clears throat> Fourteen. And twenty six hundred yards. 2,660. So, and, and that's not where Landry, I mean, Landry doesn't, the thing is, with Landry is he's going to catch a hundred balls. That's his game, you know? So he, he's more of a PPR in a standard league. He, you know, he's going to be a little further down the, um, and even half PPR, you know, his, yeah. his value is going to be volume of, of catches. And I mean, anytime someone changes teams, it's, it's impossible to just completely translate. Um, the thing for me is that Landry perennially is drafted, um, much lower than where he finishes in, in PPR leagues. So um, I do think that there may be a little hype with the move, but then I think that there's going to be some leagues where people are kind of down on him going to the Browns. And, um, and that might be the right call in the long run, but I think it's certainly worth exploring the potential to buy him in PPR leagues. If, if, if someone is kind of souring on the move, I think that there's a potential. I think he could be just the guy to, be that security blanket for a guy like Tyrod. Um, and they're improving that offensive line too. <clears throat> One of the things to, to, you know, to pay attention to is these offensive linemen that are, that are moving through free agency. And Chris Hubbard, formerly of the Steelers, signed a five-year deal. He projects to be their right tackle, big upgrade for the Cleveland Browns. So that's going to help them too. That's going to help all those offensive players. So, it, you know, once again, it, it will be interesting. It should be a, a pretty solid offensive line there in Cleveland. So, although I guess we heard that last year, oh, Isaiah Carroll will be running behind that great Cleveland offensive line, and that didn't work out so all well. All yards per carry through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, and that's just that, – and, and I get the – I get the – I think that's a great uh, a point to bring up about Jay Cutler because I do think that's relevant because Jay Cutler was coming into a new offense and that new scheme and everything like that, and Landry still feasted. and the other kind of because he was the safest option and the, the easiest read I think for Cutler and who knows how Tyrod could explode I mean he's not that old <laughs> he still has a lot of potential I'm just basically to, to me it's there's there's and the, I don't like the mouths to feed argument mine's more of uh the spoon that's feeding those mouths I don't trust anymore that's fair I mean that's definitely fair well, we, we will see how it how it plays out let's talk about some other moves guys what are some other moves that are interesting to you um, any other players that you, you like their landing spot or don't like their landing spot guys that have, have gained value or, or even guys that didn't go anywhere. Um, like, you know, we, we, we touched on uh, Derek Henry earlier, a guy that, that lost dynasty value today. No, no doubt about that with, with Deion Lewis, other, other reactions. What are some other thoughts? I mean, Kirk Cousins had a pretty good landing spot. No, I said that. <laughs> just had to throw that in. One more time. Sorry. Well, that's, no, that's good. Let's talk because what does that do to those weapons in, in Minnesota? What does that do to Adam Thielen? What does that do to Diggs? Uh, what about even like a Kyle Rudolph? Yeah, because Kyle Rudolph's no Jordan Reed when it comes to athleticism by any means. And uh, it's, it, I want to say, I want to have a really strong opinion to say that he's just these two receivers. Thielen and Diggs are going to blow up and they're going to be incredible. And their, their dynasty stocks just took such a big rise, but you also don't have a great track history of cousins supporting two wide receiver ones. You've seen, you've seen him have Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon, but those aren't the same guys as Diggs and Thielen. And so I, I don't know. 
I love to have a better quarterback play in Minnesota. I think they are going to take a bump up, but I'm trying to keep my own little like personal hype train under control <laughs> and try to be like, okay, I think they'll be a little bit better, but I don't think it's going to be astronomical. And it honestly with Diggs, if he can keep healthy, I mean, he'll finish as a top 10 wide receiver in my mind with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I like, I, I think that the offense as a whole, um, takes a little bit of a bump. I think, you know, they'll, they'll get Dalvin cook back as long as he uh, recovers and, and comes back healthy. I think the offense as a whole gets a little bit of a bump. I mean, I mean, I think Kirk cousins has just been relatively underrated. I mean, the guy's um, been a top 10 fantasy quarterback pretty consistently there in Washington and the weapons that he had at his disposal really year after year, I don't think are uh, the same quality as what he has in Minnesota now. And so I think that um, the whole offense has an opportunity to really take a step forward, which is kind of crazy considering how good their offense was last year with Case Keenum. Um, I, I do think that there's some, some opportunities for some real um, stars there, um, Diggs and Thielen being included in that. Uh, and, uh, you know, talking about quarterback making a change, um, I think one of the kind of underrated, and I'll be interested to see, I uh, continue to be a believer in Josh Doxson. And, you know, we just talked about the Redskins. Uh, and they signed Paul Richardson. And now, you know, you have Alex Smith, who last year was one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. And now you've got these guys, Josh Doxson, big receiver on the outside, and go up and get the ball, Paul Richardson with uh, the wheels, uh, another big guy that can go up and get the ball, Jamison Crowder across the middle. I, you know, I, I think that there's some real interest as far as what they do at the running back position. I know Chris Thompson last year had this incredible PPR performance um, before he was injured. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, I, I, I think, is, you know, just a guy. So I'm pretty interested to see if the Redskins don't add someone at the running back position. I'm excited about the opportunity to see what that offense can do. Um, Richardson's a guy that I think could really blossom. Young guy, great potential. And I still am holding on to hope. You know, there's some people that are down on Doxson now that Richardson's there, but I'm like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily – I mean, Doxson, last year was really his first year healthy. So, I mean, he, he, this is a great opportunity for him to really break out. So – I, I think it helps Dotson, Trey. Actually, I think that's what they need. They you know some speed on the outside, and you, you've got Crowder as your you know your slot inside guy. No, I I think it's good. I, I think it's great for Dotson. And but I think the perception out there, I mean, maybe we'll we'll see. But I do think the perception out there will be, oh, it's bad for him. If I own him, I've been holding on hope. Maybe I should get rid of him. Now he's got this worst quarterback, quote unquote, with Alex Smith, and um, you know, he's and worse. Paul Richardson to Vikings. <laughs> so no, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to have that argument. But if I don't think he's this enormous downgrade like it's being portrayed. Um, so no, I, I like that. I, so I think Richardson is is kind of more interesting to me a little bit. But I, I, Dotson is is definitely more interesting to me. And you don't you don't see the Redskins making big moves on de- the defensive end, and they they had some injuries last year. But if their defense gets worse and Redskins don't get better as a team overall, that's good for the offensive weapons on, on the, on the Redskins side. Like if they have to score more points, that's great for the receivers. And that's great for Alex Smith. Uh, that's great for, uh, uh, it's not, not Samaji Piran, unfortunately, which makes me sad because he is my, he's, he's, he's the guy I can't quit. <laughs> but, but overall, you know, you could see, I, I just, it is, I think it's a very exciting time to watch how the Redskins offense is going to transform, you know, like, these changes are big and sweeping 
and can make a, like so much, so much difference in the NFL. And oh, by golly, it's a great time to be in fantasy and to be looking at these things and to be able to, to analyze them. And I think, I think the Redskins overall, I think those receivers, why not, why not give them a little bump up? You know, what, I, Crowder could be over the middle. He could be almost that like uh, Kelsey type of tight end is that safety blanket. You know, obviously not the same athlete, but Alex Smith can support some people. So if somebody's devaluing them, go out there and get those guys cheap. All right, Trey, you want to bring us home? Any final thoughts or are we good to go? I think we're good, man. I mean, what a great show. We really packed in quite a bit. And uh, I, I, the free agency frenzy is just incredible. I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about in the coming weeks. And uh, the next thing you know, we're going to be doing our uh, recording about the NFL draft. So this is an exciting time. Other than in-season and postseason, I think that this is, you know, some of the most exciting time in the NFL calendar year. So a tease, if we haven't talked about it, we talked about the, the, the show that we're going to do on draft night. So we're still working out the details. I think we're going to come at you with a live after show. We may, may even go live during the draft, a lot of part of the draft on YouTube. So, and we're definitely going to have a show that's going to drop that Friday morning after the, the first night of the NFL draft. So, so be on the lookout for that. We're going to have a lot of special guests. We're going to talk about that more soon. Um, but in the meantime, we want to thank you for listening once again to the Fantasy Joes. Um, you know how to contact us, right? We're on Twitter at FFJoes, thefantasyjoes at gmail.com. And we love to hear back from you. We want to hear back your feedback. We, we will, I would like you to post some reviews on the show. We'd love for you to subscribe. That helps us the most. So if you're listening to this for the first time, click on that subscribe button. It helps us out a lot. So you can find us on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at fantasyjoe underscore Will. And I'm at Roto Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Check out our Fantasy Joe Gojo. Check out the Gojo, the exclusive YouTube. I didn't mention that, did I? We're, we've got a YouTube exclusive every week now. Content you can only find on YouTube.